Thank you for downloading the PR Week, PR Week's weekly podcast. For more podcasts as well as breaking news, visit PRWeek.com. Thank you for downloading the PR Week, PR Week's weekly podcast. For more podcasts as well as breaking news, visit PRWeek.com. Hello and welcome to the PR Week, PR Week's regular weekly roundup of everything that matters in the worlds of PR and communications. My name is Steve Barrett. I'm the editorial director of PR Week. Going to guide you gently through another show, another busy week for us. Um, we're still in lockdown, but everyone is talking about going back to the office or how that's going to look, whether the people will come and actually be there or whether they'll all want to stay at home. And we'll talk about that in, in the show, actually, with a terrific guest this week, Heather Kernahan, who is now the global CEO of Hotwire. So congratulations, Heather, and welcome to the PR Week. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here. Yeah, it's good to have you here. We'll talk to Heather. I've got Frank Washkuk, who is our regular uh, co-host. How are you doing, Frank? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Another busy week in the newsroom and um, lots to talk about. So we'll talk to Heather and then we'll talk about, well, the European Championships, soccer for for, uh, American viewers. Um, Interesting press conferences. Actually, there's a bit of a press conference theme this week with uh, Ronaldo uh, dissing Coke and causing a vast amount of money to fall off its share price. And Paul Pogba, the French player, uh, doing similar with Heineken. Um, so we'll talk about that because with the Naomi Osaka thing, that's the sort of topic of sports stars and sponsorships and responsibilities has been uh, been very topical. So we'll get into that. Two two deaths of very high profile and well known people in the PR world who will pay tribute tribute to Bob Leaf, a uh, stalwart of uh, Burson Marstella. And Robert Phillips, um, who used to run the Edelman UK office and uh, sadly passed away um, earlier this week. We'll talk about the uh, Biden-Putin non-press conference and the strategy around that. Uh, We'll talk about PwC teaming up with Edelman on a Trust Institute initiative. Interesting one, that one. And as usual, loads more high-profile people moves, um, which is a bit of a trend. But, But Heather, first of all. Congratulations. New job, global role, world domination beckons. Tell us all about it. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's uh, great, and it is brand new news and comes alongside lots of different people moving around into different jobs in the industry, which I hope we get a chance to talk about, too. There's a lot of talent moves happening right now. Uh, so I take over July 1st from Barbara Bates. And for those who don't know, Hotwire acquired the agency that Barb created. And that agency was Eastwick, and they acquired Eastwick about five years ago. And shortly after the acquisition, Barb became global CEO at Hotwire and was really able to bring the ethos of Silicon Valley, where she had grown up and grown up the, the business to all of Hotwire globally. So over the past five years, she's made an enormous impact. And I've worked with Barb for nine years now. I'm really excited to take over Hotwire, and uh, we're just moving into our 21st year of business, and it feels like it's almost brand new. I'm energized and, and ready to go. Yeah, sounds good. And I guess Hotwire, you're a global firm, obviously, but I guess Hotwire's yeah. roots are in the UK, I guess, whereas, um, you know, you mentioned Eastwick, that was a, a San Francisco tech based firm, wasn't it? Um, yeah. And you definitely have a lot of tech roots. And then you've got this Australian angle in that you're part of an Enero. Am I pronouncing that right? Enero. Uh, en- yes. 
yeah, which is a holding company, which some people may not be as familiar with, but uh, they own Frank PR in the UK and um, David Brain, who uh, is is part of that organisation, isn't he? So uh, tell us a bit about Anero Group and being part of that organisation. Yeah, absolutely. So our parent company is Anero Group, based out of Australia, as you said, and they're listed on the ASX. And they are um, they they run along with Hotwire and oversee an agency called Orchard, which is in the U.S. as well as in Australia. They're a digital agency, mostly specialized in the healthcare space, as well as BMF, which is a a world-class award-winning ad agency. And what I love about being part of a narrow group is that we do get the ability to partner with the other agencies on the team to deliver different kinds of solutions. And I came from Eastwick, so Eastwick was U.S.-wide agency, as I've joined Hotwire and been able to work more with an error group, I really get to work hand in hand with the different specialty areas in marketing. And my background is as a marketer. I worked inside technology companies for almost 20 years before I came over to the agency side. And so that's exciting to me to be able to bring clients different solutions to the problems that they have. And um with Brent, actually Scrimshaw from Monero, he's the CEO. He's fairly new too. He joined there last summer. And so we're all excited about what's ahead for us. Yeah, and Barbara is going to have a sort of group role as well, isn't she? I guess she's been in the industry 30 years and I guess she deserves a bit of a break, but she's, she's still going to be involved and in having that group uh, function. Yeah, that's right. She's uh, not going to get much of a break. She goes right into being a, a senior advisor for M&A activities focused mostly in North America and looking at uh, M&A for Hotwire, but also for the other uh, agencies within the Enero portfolio. So she's uh, she does have more work to do. And we recently did an acquisition in the UK. We acquired a firm called McDonald Butler, which is giving us real strength in account-based marketing, which many of our clients had come to talk to us about when the pandemic hit, um, and also channel marketing. So those are new services we're integrating, not only in the UK, but we will be around the world. How have you found the market in the last 15 months? Um, you've, uh, you're, you're, you're based on the West Coast. You've got a global role, so you've got an interesting take on it. You know, some parts of the market struggle badly, obviously, if they're in travel, hospitality, tourism, energy, airlines. Other parts have really thrived. And I guess tech is kind of in the middle in a bit, parts of it have really thrived and parts of it have struggled. How, how have you found it? Yeah, probably like most businesses, the first four, six months of the pandemic were really tough and, and felt quite scary. We weren't sure if clients were going to put budgets on hold indefinitely or how decision-making was going to happen. And then last fall, for us, we felt a turn and we felt the momentum start to pick up with our current clients and then everybody got used to doing new business over whatever video platform that they wanted to use. And so suddenly all the new business opportunities started flowing again. So it does feel like we've got good momentum. But I'll tell you what does worry me, Steve, more than the ins and outs of the, the clients every day. It's really the topic around mental health with all of our team that we're working with and, and industry-wide. Mental health is a big, important issue that everyone's grappling with. And the talent moves. People are really evaluating what they want to do for the next stage of their life and making decisions to up and move maybe out of the industry or you know, try something new or reduce their part-time hours or something like that. So as a, and I don't think I've talked about this yet, but I'm the 
board chair of the PR council. And when we get together all the agencies and talk about top issues, those are the two that emerge, talent and mental health. Yeah, I can imagine. And um, we've been running this Femme Forward blog series of women in PR because uh, some of the numbers that were coming out about women leaving the workforce generally or just putting their careers on hold were shocking, really, to be honest. Yeah. And, you know, the pressures of dealing with a, a career, working from home, homeschooling, um, no childcare, and, and you know, doing a lot of household management as well. It's, it's It has put a lot of pressure on people, and this is an industry – not, we shouldn't forget the 70% female. So, uh, you know, you're, you're absolutely right there. What are you seeing from that PR council perspective? Just that uh, there's a, the topics that are arising constantly are if mental health issues have accelerated and maybe they will continue to, even as people feel positive about getting vaccinated, how are we going to adjust our work with employees to account for that? And, and one I'll, I'll drill down into a bit is the some of the stats I'm seeing around anxiety in particular and how it connects with offices opening back up. So I saw some statistic that there's been a 30% increase in anxiety in the general U.S. workforce over the past 18 months. And so I was thinking through employers that are mandating return to office for employees. And if you're someone that suffers from anxiety or, or some other mental health issue, just the thought of having to get yourself to an office a certain number of days a week, I, I think really would have you stop and think about what's important in your life and how you're going to manage yourself um, and maybe make a decision to not work for that company anymore. So I think as, as business leaders, we really need to take a step back and Yes, think about the office reopening, but think longer term about what's the new deal we have to strike with employees as we all come out of this together and the impacts will be felt for years. I do think we need to think differently about how we work with people and not just have mandated conversations about, you know, in the office certain days a week or your full time or your part time. And those are the only options. I think there we need to have a spectrum of options for how we work with folks if we're going to continue to grow the industry. Yeah, and I think we'll talk about that later. But uh, if if employers don't offer that, then uh, people will go elsewhere, and there are plenty of opportunities elsewhere. Um, but it's even it's, it's silly little things like forgetting how to have a conversation, you know, like with with people when you go out. Or I know I, I read a, a survey the other day that people stopped using deodorant, you know, because they've been at home all the time. Or oh, clothing stores are only selling like top half parts of outfits, you know. Um, it's just uh, getting getting back used to things is really, yeah. really tricky, isn't it? It is tricky. Or We had a get-together not too long ago, and I realized how exhausted I was after a few hours spent in person with people. It was the first time I'd done that uh, in, a, in more than a year. And I thought, wow, when, when we're face-to-face again, often we're going to have to build that resiliency up. Yeah, for sure. Now, just to finish, what are your plans then, Heather? You know, you, you've just taken over. You're, you're starting start of July. Do you are you yeah. going to? You've obviously got big knowledge of the firm, and you, you're very experienced in it. Do you have a plan in place already, or are you going to be doing a uh, a tour? And and you know, um, or are you, have you got things you're going to do immediately? Well, we are. Last year, we launched our new three year plan, and we do run the business on a three year plan uh, cycle. So. I was part of building that plan, and I'm going to continue to work on that three-year plan with our global team. We're entering year two of it now, and we've got some really ambitious goals in that three-year plan. And I'm also going to spend quite a lot of time with groups I haven't before. So 
soon as I can get into the UK, I'm going to head over there and meet our new newly acquired agency and just spend time in our European offices as well, understanding what's happening there, meeting our clients in, in region. So that's it. I, I mean, I have got, I've got a plan. We're working on year two of our three-year plan, and it's going to be about our team and making sure everyone feels set up for success. Yeah, the UK is a tricky one. I keep seeing, you know, it's it's open, then it's not open. And uh, I hear about my brother, he's based in Manchester, where that city's pretty much closed down. They've they've really been hit by the Indian variant in, in Manchester and Lancashire. But, and I know Boris Johnson has extended the uh, sort of shutdown period, which has not gone down particularly well. But uh, there's, a, there's a massive thirst to get back out there, isn't it? There really is. I did have a ticket plan to go actually uh, next week over to the UK, but because of what Boris's update was, I had to postpone it. So I'm very disappointed, as I'm sure a lot of people are. Yeah, well, Boris, Boris may be doing the right thing for, and being slightly conservative for a change. But then we, yeah. we've, we've discussed Boris many times on the uh, show. So we won't, we won't <laughs> we go down talk about him today. <laughs> Frank, let's get into the uh, news stories. Interesting one, this. The European Soccer Championships are underway and a very exciting tournament for people like me, at least. Um, But the media angle is an interesting one because after the French Open with Naomi Osaka refusing to do press conferences, we've seen press conferences with two of the global superstars, Ronaldo and Paul Pogba, which have really been, been interesting, haven't they? Talk us through what's been happening. Yeah, and in particular, uh, they've been interesting in terms of the product placement or suddenly lack thereof uh, at, at this, these press conferences. So uh, on Monday, and this is, this is the big event with this, is uh, Cristiano Ronaldo was doing a press event and he just sort of pushed aside these two bottles of uh, Coca-Cola and then loudly in Portuguese said, uh, said water, agua. Uh, which was <laughs> quite stunning to Coca-Cola, who's a sponsor of the tournament, I'm sure. Um, so Evian, uh, Evian, the water company, kind of jumped on this quickly and, and tweeted about it and said, you know, could, couldn't have said it better ourselves, stay hydrated. And then a similar thing happened, uh, I believe, on Tuesday uh, when uh, Paul Pogba did the same thing. Uh, now, he's a Muslim, so he doesn't drink alcohol, but he pushed away two bottles of Heineken. Uh, on the press stand or, uh, in front of him. So this this is something that keeps popping up. I, I wonder if brands are going to continue to try to get this product placement in the shot uh, at athlete press conferences, knowing that this this might happen. Yeah, that, that was an interesting one with Pogba because it was non-alcoholic, actually, Heineken, as it turned out. But right. I, don't, I don't think Pogba would have known that. And it, it looks like a beer bottle. So, um, but, you know, having these stu- um, and, you know, Coca-Cola does a water brand as well, Dasani. So it's, it's very nuanced. And I think, um, Heather, from a sort of public relations point of view, are you going to – Brands going to have to change the way they do press conferences. You've got the Osaka incident. You've got these sort of things going on. Yeah. Um, you know, these sponsors are paying the vast amounts of money these athletes uh, earn, you know, on and off the field. But on the other hand, they seem to be uh, pushing back a little bit. Well, if there was ever any doubt about the power of influence, you know, we don't have doubt anymore, given the market share change that happened with Coke after yeah. That press conference. Yeah, what was it? One point four billion dropped off the share price. It's incredible. It, it was billions of dollars. 
Um, I, that seemed like a high number to me. I, I, I wonder if that's something that they would just make up in a, in a short period of time, or, or mm. even if it was coincidental with everything going on the, in the news with, um, you know, supply chains and, and all of that and possible yeah. inflation. So, uh, I wondered if it was something of a coincidence too, but, uh, it seemed like a high number to me. Yeah. I think that from a communication standpoint, there will now just be different conversations that are held with the organizers of the press conference about what is visible, what's not visible and why, and being more thoughtful about it. It was probably something that was not thought about for a long time. It was just route. You just put up your product and that's part of your sponsorship deal. But with that influence, you've got to make a different plan. Yeah, I must admit, I've never seen bottles of beer on the table at press conference. No, well, I have, I well, I have but not, not at a sporting event. Um, yeah. You know, Heineken is so associated with, soccer you know the champions league and all that stuff but i've never seen uh, the bottles of beer on the table no that was a bit like reminding me of former president trump when he had all those trump products didn't he on a table no. by the, I by the, the, uh, the trump yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly um yeah it seems a bit brash shall we that's a brash let's, let's use a, a polite word um but yeah but i think it's an interesting trend and um you know, athletes are massive influencers and uh, so they can do positive things for brands, but they can also do negative things as well. Frank, a couple of PR legends have uh, died in the past week. And uh, yeah, talk, talk, talk a little bit about both of those individuals. Yeah, it's it's really sad news. Um, and one of them is Robert Leaf, who was one of the top executives uh, at Bursa Marsteller for more than a quarter century and, and was really you know, foundational at the agency and, and had a huge influence on on how it grew internationally. Uh, he helped to establish their first overseas office uh, in Geneva, Switzerland. Um, and then he was based in London for a long time. So, you know, really had a tremendous impact uh, on, on Burson uh, in, in the earlier years of that agency, well before the combination into BCW. Yeah, uh, so lo- lovely, one. lovely guy. I met him a couple of times in London and in, yeah. he, he's, he was based mostly in London and a uh, great patron of the arts and uh, a real old fashioned gentleman and uh, a real pioneer in the PR space. So um, very sad to see that he's passed on, passed on. Yeah. This is another one that was really sad to hear about uh, Robert Phillips most recently the founder of Jericho Chambers, but I think known to most people uh, as the uh, Europe CEO of Edelman for a long time. And I think really well known in the UK market, uh, died uh, after a battle with cancer. He was 57. So I know he's somebody that will be missed by a lot of folks in the industry. Yeah, he was very well known because he wrote a famous provocative book i think the title was something like pr pr is dead and uh you know it was very it was deliberately provocative but someone who had very strong views on on the industry but was a real you know he really built the uh edelman uk uh business and and in emir so uh i recommend you read uh, danny rogers our uh, uk editor's uh obituary of um robert because it's it's a good read heather did you know either of those individuals no, not personally, but Bob did come to Hotwire for lunch with our team, uh, I think maybe three years ago now. And so it reminds me of the generosity of Bob in particular to share what he knew with others in the in the industry. And I think that's good inspiration for us all just to spend time. It's The impact is, is enormous. And the more you can talk about what you know, the better. 
Yeah, he was a real person person. And uh, yeah. that, that legacy that Harold established, you know, some of those senior execs were a big part of it as well. And, um, he, you know, he, he, he was still so enthusiastic about the industry, even at the age of, you know, in his late 80s. So um, rest in peace, both of those uh, individuals. Frank, let's go back to the press conference uh, topic, because President Biden has been in Europe uh, for the G7 meetings and has moved on to some discussions with uh, President Putin of Russia in, um, uh, in Geneva, or was it? Um, but uh, yeah, um, but but the press conference strategy was interesting, wasn't it? Because uh, President Trump had a different strategy when he met Putin. Yeah, and uh, I, I think it's safe to say that his his strategy in terms of building public support, you know, uh, after meetings with Putin just just never worked because I think most people remember that he was sort of just gushing all over him after their one meeting, and and that. I think turned off a lot of people, uh, even within his own party. So I, I'm not sure that that worked. This is a totally different strategy uh, in having separate press conferences after uh, after the meeting, which was short. I, um, I've been following a lot of the specifics around the the sort of uh, stage management of this. And the meeting between Biden and Putin actually went shorter than planned. I think they planned for four hours and it went just a bit over three um, it, it was it, it, another interesting aspect was that um, Putin showed up first for the meeting, and and he's notorious for leaving people waiting for for sometimes even hours uh, before a meeting. So that that's interesting because I'm sure that had to be agreed upon uh, beforehand too. But then the separate press conferences, I think there's some things that'll be remembered from it uh, are it, it seemed to be a pretty frank discussion it seemed to be um it, it, there wasn't anything too noteworthy that happened at either press conference except that biden uh snapped at an nbc reporter um towards the end of his press availability but other than that i i i think it's fair to say that there isn't any gigantic news that comes out of this other than you know the ambassadors will be back in each country but other than that, it, it seemed to be I, I, not a getting to know you meeting, but maybe a stage setting meeting for further collaboration uh, and, or, or further discussion down the line. And in that respect, i.e. no big news, perhaps that was the intention on Biden's front. Though. You know, we didn't, so, yeah. it's back to business as usual, right? We're just getting stuff, trying to get stuff done here. It's not about grandstanding and bigging up one, in, you know, one individual against another. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I think that um, I I was surprised a bit following the Putin press conference and that, you know, he's often very sarcastic, uh, you know, in his press availabilities. Um, he had his shirts on, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Yes, he wasn't, he wasn't a hunting bear or anything like that in this one. But he... It's always interesting to watch the dynamic between the U.S. press and and the press in other countries, too. And I think especially in Russia, where it's so tightly controlled. Um, and, and that's always for fascinating watching, too. Yeah. What did you think, Heather, from a sort of media relations point of view and a planning point of view? It's not, not uh, Biden's first rodeo, of course. He brings vast experience of um, politics and international relations with him. So he's been through this before and many times. He has. Yeah. What I loved is that I thought it was very consistent with his brand of getting things done, moving discussions ahead and being very pragmatic about it. And so I think he operated with this discussion as he has operated his administration so far. So he's 
A plus for consistency in my books. Yeah, for sure. Okay, Frank, tell us about this PwC uh, initiative where they've teamed up with Edelman on the Trust Institute, which is Edelman's latest sort of building on its trust barometer, which has been a brilliant piece of IP for them, over the, especially over the past 15 months, but in general over the past 20 years. Yeah, really interesting collaboration. Um, so what the PwC, Trust Leadership Institute, is, is the continued education initiative. Um, they're working on it with Edelman, and it's designed to support the next generation of C-suite leaders, give them skills to drive responsible and ethical decision-making uh, for clients and consumers, and for PwC, the consultancy part of it. You can you can see how that is uh, very useful. So um, the other story happening here, Edelman continuing to build out the, the trust brand, so to speak. You know, they just launched the Edelman Trust Institute recently. They're make they're doing more trust barometer research than they ever have before. You know, years ago it was just the once a year, and now it's they're they're doing them all the time. I think one a month now, um, and, and so it, it's an interesting uh, work with uh, an outside company on this now too. Yeah, certainly it was notable in the agency business report this year that Rich CEO Richard Edelman said the trust barometer was one of the things that helped them rebuild their business after a really tough yeah. first few months of the pandemic. You know, and it, because they couldn't get new business because you can't really go out and see people as much. Uh, I believe it, was, it. Yeah, yeah, it was crucial in you know doubling down and and CEOs wanted that. You know, brand CEOs wanted that counsel uh, and they wanted yep. to understand more about it and how to, how they presented them themselves what were your thoughts on it heather what i loved about it was that it, it feels to me like a real example of how the industry has become advisors to the c-level office around topics like trust and you know edelman's always led with the trust barometer and and i love that they've taken the next step in showing the importance of the industry in executive suite so i think it's very positive for everybody yeah. One thing yeah. I would add about it. One thing I would add about it too is that if if you buy the saying that imitation is the finest form of flattery, a lot of a lot of firms over the years have tried to produce something similar, and none of them have had the success with with this kind of study that Edelman has had. And so you know, it's 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 fair to say some other agency leaders have definitely been envious over it. Yeah, they were the first and they've, they've certainly built on it. So, yeah, Great fair job. play to them on that. Yeah. Um, finally, let's talk about people moves. Again, loads of really high profile people moves. We'll, we'll go through those, Frank, and then we'll talk about what, what, the, what that's saying about uh, the current state of the industry. Yeah, happy to. We bring up people moves every week, and it's almost like where to start because there are so many uh, people moving around to really, you know, top roles and interesting roles. So, here's here's one to keep an eye on because I think this is an interesting move. And that's uh, Substack, the the newsletter kind of trailblazing company has brought on Lulu Chang Messervy uh, to lead communications. Now she was formerly the president of Trail Runner International, uh, that really sharp corporate and crisis communication shop. Um, so Substack, the newsletter platform, I, I am sure if you're on Twitter, you have seen people linking to their Substack or, you know, even some prominent journalists, you know, moving their primary work over to Substack has more than 500,000 paid subscribers across thousands of newsletters. And they say that the top 10 writers uh, on the platform collectively make more than $15 million annually. Um, so that's that's a really interesting company to keep an eye on. Um, 
Sorry, I thought you were going to say something there. No, Both I was, but I, no, 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 I thought better of it. It's uh, We've <laughs> talked about it before. No, I think Substack's really interesting. It's part of this new media yeah. innovation. Um, I, I'm slightly sceptical about how many of these journalists, and there are some high-profile ones, are going to be able to keep up the the pace and and the, the amount of quantity required of content to, to do this in the long term. But, um, you know, I do think it's a really interesting platform and some high-profile people have gone onto it. Heather, do you have That's a view a on point. that? Because, uh, you know, there's this sort of tech, slightly sort of tech versus media vibe going on at the moment. And some of the substackers are, are sort of going direct almost. And, uh, you know, Andreessen Horowitz has set up its own sort of media platform. What's your view yeah. take on that? Yeah, I read that last night. And well, we've been talking for probably at least a decade in the in our PR industry about everyone being their own publishers now. And, and it continues to play out with Substack and other moves. I've been reading a lot of Substack newsletters. And Steve, I had the same thought, which is, you know, is this sustainable over time for people to be their own publishing machines within this platform? I'm, I'm very curious. And we're playing around with it with some clients right now and experimenting with some projects. And I'll probably know more in about another six months. There are some brilliant ones out there. I will say that. And, yeah. But uh, I see the the future is them, some of them teaming up and creating mm-hmm. a compendium of them, almost like a magazine or a brand. Yeah. But anyway, who, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Frank, tell us how the other people moves. I agree with you, by the way. And I, I think that a lot of people don't realize how much work goes into doing daily do newsletters not. or even weekly newsletters. There you go. I can tell said you from experience. Said with feeling. Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, two new C-level roles at Ogilvy PR, um, and that's Lisa Bright as Global Chief Creative Officer for the PR division, and Charlotte Tansel as the Global Chief Strategy Officer. Last week, Ogilvy also named Matthew Cannon to a global role as Head of Consumer uh, PR. And, you know, these are the latest moves as Ogilvy PR starts to build, sort of rebuilds its its leadership team as a, as a standalone unit under uh, Julianne Richter. Um, Royal Caribbean Group has brought on Rosanna Fisk as its global comm set, I think really well known to a lot of people in the industry yeah. from her work at PRSA. She's also been at Republica uh, and Ketchum. She's been at Wells Fargo most recently. Um, Mary Stutz is the new global chief inclusion and health equity officer at Real Chemistry, the uh, health specialist network formerly known as W2O Group. Um, that firm's DEI practice expanded last year. They created an internal DEI department uh, led by Marsha Windross and a client engagement uh, practice headed by Abby Hayes. Uh, but Mary Stutz is going to report straight up to the founder and CEO, Jim Weiss, and the board of directors. Um, Marriott Vacations Worldwide has brought on Erica Ittori as its global comms VP. She's a veteran of Disney World. She is reporting up to EVP and chief brand and digital officer, Lori uh, Gudifson. Uh, and Mary Jane Walker uh, is coming back to Hill and Knowlton Strategies to lead its U.S. healthcare network. So I think that um, most people know that in the industry, healthcare has really expanded as a prominent part of the PR industry and has been the source of a lot of revenue over the past year. So uh, Agent K 
getting Mary Jane Walker back, U.S. head of healthcare. Uh, she's starting. She started on June one, reporting to Richard Miller, global president and CEO of the Americas. Really interesting thing about her. She was a top spokesman for spokesperson for Dr. Anthony Fauci years ago. Um, when it was the height of the HIV epidemic, and he was more focused on that. Uh, we also have BCW bringing on APCO's Matthew Gallagher to lead its North American corporate practice. Uh, he has been in the industry for more than two decades, and he is reporting up to Brooke Hovey, president and chief growth officer uh, of North America. Okay, so that's BCW sort of filling in some of the gaps from some of the C-suite people that have left there recently. Heather, the wider thing here, obviously there are loads of people moves. We saw the Wall Street Journal article on Sunday about more Americans quitting their jobs than any time in the last two decades. These things seem to be dovetailing, and the, there's a definite trend here, isn't there? It's a hot jobs market, but you, you, employers have got to really offer the right things. Otherwise, people are just going to quit by the looks of it. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I mean, the great that there's tons of opportunity. But going back to my earlier comment, when we get together, it's the the board of the PR council. It is the number one topic is talent. And I instead of having the same conversations, what we've moved on to is how we can expand the industry by looking at industries that are on the downturn or maybe going to have a long recovery cycle and they won't be able to hire back like like they thought they would, such as travel and tourism. There's outstanding communications and marketing leaders within that industry. And so the, I, as leaders of businesses, what we're looking at is how do we cross train into healthcare and how do we cross train into the technology industry, these communications professionals that may want to explore something new. And I think that's the only way for us to expand. We all can't run around just poaching each other's people forever. Yeah. yeah. Interesting, interesting stuff. stuff. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you so much, everybody. Um, great show. Thanks, Heather, for joining us, and good luck with the new role, and congratulations again. Um, Thank you. Frank, thanks for doing all those newsletters and all the other many things you do. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, we have a last call for the Purpose Awards. It might actually be beyond the deadline when, when you listen to this, but if you ask the events team very nicely, maybe they'll give you a special dispensation to get that last entry in. But those are going to be really interesting to see this year, especially. But uh, all the best in, in purposeful work and purposeful communications and marketing. Uh, PR Decoded, that'll be in October from the 12th to the 14th with the Purpose Awards on the 13th. And there may well, you know, you may well have some news for you about uh, in-person events. So watch this space because uh, it feels like the, the, the time is right to start coming back together and convening again. And I think there's definitely a... A, uh, an appetite for that if we can do it safely so looking forward to that looking forward to seeing you all again out there and uh, but in the meantime that's all we got time for this week so we'll see you next time on the pr week thank you for listening to this week's episode of the pr week to find more episodes visit prweek.com